0: All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three.
1: Oh my, just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we're about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world. The instigators making a dent. The people changing how we do sales and marketing. Leading innovation. The people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts.
0: Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I'm your host Todd Schnick. Very, very important conversation today. Uh, we've talked a lot over the years on this network about the importance of change and transformational change and organizational change and yeah frankly it's a it's a tough road to hoe and so i uh uh I'm really looking forward to this morning's conversation uh, another another very critically important conversation especially as the new year kicks off and and this idea of organizational and transformational change uh, is probably on the minds of a lot of people so let's get to it joined this morning by john matone he's a leadership authority executive coach speaker and author and he's the co-author of a new book that we're here to talk about cultural transformations john welcome to the show
2: Todd, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thank you.
0: The pleasure is mine. Thanks for carving out some time. Your book's launching in just a couple of days, so I appreciate you you carving out a few minutes for us. Uh, John, before we get into the new book, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background.
2: Wonderful, Todd. Thank you. Well, you know, I've been doing this a a long time. Uh, I got out of graduate school many years ago. I launched my business at age 30. Did it for ten years. Todd traveled traveled the globe. I wrote uh, two books uh, during that time frame. Got tired of travel raising uh, with my wife four kids. Missed a lot of games and birthdays. Really got tired of it, and so made the decision to go back into the corporate world for uh, fourteen years and had a variety of positions. Most of them at the senior level. Ran a consulting firm. And then it was about just short of five years ago, Todd, I made the decision to relaunch my business. I felt like I wanted to go back and do what I know I was put on the earth to do, which is help leaders and future leaders and companies get stronger and more vibrant. And so I made that decision. I've written in the last four and a half years, six books, and I've been very busy writing. I do a lot of speaking all over the globe, and I also do quite a bit of executive coaching. Been married for 37 years to my wonderful wife, Gail. And like I said, we've got four adult children. So that's that's a little bit about me.
0: Outstanding. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, all right. So let's get into the book again. It is called Cultural Transformations, Lessons of Leadership and Corporate Reinvention. So, John, I want to lead off. I, I ask a similar question uh, to all of my authors who write a book on a, on a well, let's be honest, on a subject matter that's that's not hard to find content if you were to do a search for transformational change or organizational change or change management on Amazon. So let me ask this question. Why did the world need a yet another book on this? Why did we need to hear from John Matone on this subject?
2: Yeah, Todd, and and I I I would say this that there, there's there's a lot of mistakes being made out there, and what hit me was I as I do my work all over the globe, I'm hearing from senior executive teams, hey, you know we're we're just having we're having all kinds of issues trying to implement uh, transformation and change. And yes, there's a lot of content out there, and there's been some studies recently, Todd, by a couple of very notable consulting firms, Deloitte, PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, and my own company, we do quite a bit of research, that 75%, upwards to 75% of business transformations fail. So companies that are trying to get more innovative, uh, more efficient, uh, trying to you know, go from good to better, better to, to best, are having all kinds of issues trying to navigate all the complexity and disruption that's going on in the business world. It is so disruptive out there. And so uh, it was about a, two years ago, about a year and a half, two years ago, I said to myself, you know, let me take a look at the reason why transformation fails. And uh, as a result of the research that I did, coupled up with uh, the Price Waterhouse research and Del- Delight research, it was pretty clear the companies are having a hard time transforming and getting better because they've got cultural issues. And when we talk about culture, there's a lot of misunderstanding as to what culture is. And, and what it comes down to is, you know, if you've got people in a business whose mindsets are not correct, what's going to happen is their behaviors are not going to be correct. Those behaviors are going to generate results that are not going to be effective. And ultimately, that's, that's the real reason that transformation fails. So I wanted to write a book that was going to be aspirational, inspirational for leaders and companies out there so they can better navigate the complexity with business nowadays. And so I, I hope that answers it.
0: Yeah, it sure does. Uh, I worry, John, that a lot of organizations say, "All right, well, let's paint the let's paint the walls, let's put up a really cool inspirational motivational poster behind the receptionist desk and then pat myself on the back cuz we we led some change." And 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 it's so much more than that. And I agree with you. I mean, there's this conversation could last 7 hours about <laughs> all the different uh things we could talk about that impact what we're talking about here. I'm trying to get my head wrapped around what, what seems to be the, the biggest issue. It sounds like a, a cultural problem, if I'm understanding you correctly, is, is the biggest fit. Why do most organizations have a culture problem? I mean, that's another subject matter that there's a lot of thought leadership out there. Why are we still struggling with this?
2: You know what it comes down to, Todd? I mean, if you look at the culture in a family, for example, and we just say a business is just a large family, you know, it comes down to the makeup of the people. And what I've discovered uh, is that the culture starts in the C-suite. And if you've got a senior executive, let's say a CEO, and you've got a senior executive team who who, let's say, who are very strong and vibrant as leaders, meaning that they've got great character, right, and great values, and their thinking patterns are positive and correct and and they're people who are mature, you know, and they've got the right emotional makeup. And, and, in fact, they behave in a real professional way and they're role models to people. When you've got people like that in an organization, lo and behold, right, the, the culture is going to be very positive And ultimately, it's the culture that's going to drive operating success. So what it comes down to really is making sure you've got people on the bus who are of the right ilk. Let's, let's use that word. Who who have a very strong and vibrant inner core, they're made up of the right kinds of characteristics, but they also exhibit the right kinds of behaviors. So so really when you look at it, culture is a function of the talent that you've got, but ultimately culture starts, I would say, at the uh, the CEO level and the senior executive level. That's what I would say. Yeah, so
0: this idea of, I, I worry that some management team is going they're going to read a great book such as yourself and say "Ooh, we got to go through a, a change effort just because it, it's it's what I think you're supposed to be doing when in fact maybe change isn't necessary how do you really right. know when it's time for an organization to go through that kind of a, of a
2: process yeah it's a great question you know there there are there are without question what I would call aspects of any business that you want to sustain so uh, if there are legacy aspects of your business that are yielding the kinds of results that you want and it's really about the organization that you must create nowadays so when we look at really savvy leaders and really savvy CEOs and senior executive teams, they're not sitting around talking about the companies that they want to create because that's irrelevant you know that that, that was years ago it's so complicated nowadays that, the most important question is that everybody agree on this is the organization that we must create given the market conditions that are existing. So to answer your question directly, though, Todd, it comes down to recognizing those aspects in your culture, and your business that you, want, you can't throw everything out, but ultimately it comes down to measuring culture. And here's a very interesting fact that I discovered. There's a lot of companies out there who measure engagement levels. OK, so, you know, the work that's been done by Gallup, for example, and companies use pulse surveys. Hey, hey let's measure, you know, how, how uh, engaged Todd is, for example, with respect to his, his manager and, and the work that he does. So we've got about 75% of the companies globally who are, who are measuring engagement. There's only 15% of companies that measure culture and it's culture that drives engagement. So I think we've got a huge gap. And I discovered this in doing the research on the book, and it's really a call to action that I talk about in the book. If companies are going to understand, hey, what elements of the culture that we want to sustain, but what elements do we need to course correct on? You you you, you can't you can't be accurate about that unless you measure culture. I think we I think we that's where we got to start. We got to start measuring the elements of culture that are good, the elements of the culture that are not good so that we can make the course correction at that point.
0: All right. John and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back.
1: This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpeedler.com.
0: All right. I am back with John Matone, the author of Cultural Transformations, Lessons of Leadership and Corporate Reinvention. So, John, right before the break, we were talking about how to that you have to measure culture. How do you do that? I mean, how do you actually do that? I hear that, and my my immediate instinct is uh, we're talking about humans here. I mean, and we're talking about something. That, uh, it, it's not a it's not not sales of widgets here. This is culture. It's I, I help someone who's listening. Frankly, help me understand how you actually measure something that's not tangible.
2: Yeah. Well, it's just like you know my background's in industrial psychology, Todd. So I, I've got you know I my background is around assessment and surveys. So, uh, in, in fact, I do have a survey that we actually implement in companies globally. It's called the, the Five Cultures of Culture Assessment. And, and my survey, clearly, is not the only one out there. But what, what, we, what we measure uh, is, is, is really what I call the Five Cultures of Culture. And the first culture of culture that drives operating success is what I call the can-do culture. And that is the extent to which people truly believe That they have the skills and they have the competencies that are required to drive the vision of that organization forward. The question is, do people truly believe that they have the skills and abilities? And if that engine, if you will, is operating at a high level, it's going to drive operating success. So that's the can do culture. There's a culture of will do, which is the passion, the drive, and the motivation, uh, and the zeal to make a difference. And, And that can be measured. And then there's There's a culture called the must-do, which is the culture of alignment. To what extent do people truly feel aligned, right, with the mission and the vision and the purpose of the organization? Can-do, will-do, and must-do cultures can be measured. And and, and those three cultures will drive two more cultures, Todd. The individual performance execution culture, and then there's a collaborative team culture. Those five cultures, think of them as, as engines. If they're if they're well-oiled and, and optimized and operating at a high level, lo and behold, your ultimate culture is going to be very, very positive. So I, I do think that you can measure culture. I think you need to supplement the survey, though, with you know, some in-depth interviews of various uh, employee population groups. And I think you know, with that information, you're going to get as close to a, a, an accurate measurement of uh, you know, what's going on ultimately in that business so that you can start from there. Got it. Thank you
0: for sharing that. So, John, I recently on the radio network here have launched a, a series uh, about millennials. And the series is designed to help organizations understand how to recruit how to train? How to engage? How to challenge their millennial employees? And and it strikes me—I mean, you, your your message here is very clear that, that that this driving change, driving cultural change, driving transformational organizational change comes from from the leadership, from from the management team. And I worry that a lot of organizations—they have two problems. Obviously, the, the management team isn't capable. Uh, or empowered or 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 willing to do that kind of change but more importantly that their the organizations not developing its its future leaders very well what's the bigger yeah. problem there and 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 how do you begin cuz that's i think that drives long term uh, that helps the change sustain itself is when you when you're not only are you driving change now but you're building a team
2: developing leaders to help sustain it absolutely We've got a huge gap, Todd, in leadership, and there's no question. Uh, and I and I make the point in the book that you know culture in an organization, and it's the same thing in a family. I mean, if you've got parents uh, in a family who are not leading the the the, the, the structure of that family, it's going to impact the effectiveness of the family. It's no different. We've got a huge gap in leadership. We have no shortage of intellect in the world. You know, there's so many smart people running around. And most organizations have done a real good job, you know, selecting people who are at the higher levels of the intellect range, no question about it. But when you look at leadership, despite all the books that are written on leadership, right, and all the seminars, we continue to struggle with leadership all over the world. It, in many respects, leadership is more of a bell-shaped curve. Intellect is more of a skewed distribution. I think our challenge in, in the work that we do is... To is to help organizations skew the distribution around leadership. We have have a longer way to go. one of the reasons I do the work that I do. So we have a massive gap in leadership. And you're right when you talk about the millennials. We're talking about massive talent in the young people. And the organizations that are going to sustain themselves long term are going to be the individual companies that recognize the massive talent that exists in the young people identify future leaders and accelerate their development. There's no question that the millennials, when it comes down to, remember I just talked about the collaborative or yeah, the team yeah. culture? Todd, that's that's ultimately where it is. The younger people love to work on teams. They are very, very collaborative. It's almost like their DNA is programmed that way. So companies that are not Structuring work to take advantage of those gifts and strengths of the young people around, collaborating and working on teams, and so on, and having inter interdisciplinary teams uh, are going to are, are going to end up losing those people. Companies that are not identifying and accelerating the development of future leaders, they're going to lose those people. So again, it, it, without question, I agree with you 100. percent. It comes back to leadership.
0: So. Yeah, the most important thing I learned from doing that series was you know, millennials have this reputation for being job hoppers. Well, it's because their organizations aren't investing in them and developing them. And so they're they're unfulfilled and they want to move on and find a place where there's meaning and development and growth. So it's a fascinating subject. So okay. another problem I suspect you run into, John, is there's still a lot of fear of change because it's big and it's scary and you don't really know where it's going to go and so I mean you talked earlier about mindset mindset is so critical when you're talking about this subject i, I what's your sense you, you obviously have a pulse on the minds of of leaders in business on this subject matter is, because I, I like to look at it now that it used to be that change was something that you occasionally did, because business, and certainly corporate business, eh, you could say that the model was pretty consistent for, for quite a while. But I think in the modern world, the modern day, constant change is the new normal, right? I mean, you, you have to be mindful. You have to be uh, prepared and understand that in today's world, today's business environment, Today's economy, its we're, we're dealing with constant change. You have to be ever vigilant on this,
2: yeah? Oh, oh Todd, big time. I would say this. I, I love what you just said. I believe that the comfort zone, as we all know it, is a disease in many respects. And, and this is not only personally, but also professionally. You know, you think about how quick, and I used this word earlier, disruptive, the business world is, the massive change that is happening. If your mindset, how do, you, how do you handle the disruption? The only way to handle disruption is by having a disruptive mindset. And what I see, and I, and I saw this in the 14 CEOs that I interviewed in my book, I saw a disruptive mindset. And these were the CEOs who were role models in their organization so that everybody would look at these CEOs and say, I get it. Okay? So the question is, you know, what does this disruptive mindset consist of? I, I think it includes a number of things, and, and I think we all need to be on board if we're going to handle change and really look at the comfort zone that we, we kind of associate with us every single day as painful. And, and really what we need to do is look at compelling alternatives, if you will, as as really more pleasurable in the journey to achieve the compelling alternative, the journey of learning and growth is actually very pleasurable. I, I, I have seen six things, and I saw these in in the interviews that I did with these these, these outstanding executives. You got to think differently and think big. I think that's the first step of getting people outside their comfort zone. You, you got to have a vision for, for a better future, and if you're going to transform your company You've got to believe in that future and you've got and you've got to get people excited about that vision and, and thinking differently and thinking big. I think the second thing is that that we've got to be vulnerable. We've got to make the decision to be vulnerable and be willing to raise our hand and say, you know, hey, I'm good in this area, but I'm weak in this area. And I and I think the vulnerability decision, and I actually talk about it in the book, is an instigator to growth todd. You know, if you don't if you're not open to feedback, right? There's no way that you can grow and change and develop. I think the third thing is that companies that achieve success with transformation look at individuals and teams and groups, and they leverage gifts and strengths while also addressing development needs. And I think the fourth step is the ability to execute. And therein lies, I think, the important element of courage. Great executives will role model courage in their organizations where people feel comfortable taking risks, right? And and fearlessness is very different than courage. There's a lot of people who run around who say, hey, I can do this and I can make that decision and I can change, right? And I can learn. But ultimately, if companies are gonna be successful in transforming, they've gotta have people who truly believe it and have the guts to take action around change, around learning, right? And around people. And I think the next step is you gotta be vigilant to as you execute the impact that you have on others. And I think the sixth thing is to course correct. So those elements are vital in getting people outside their comfort zone to really create a new comfort zone that's going to get disrupted again. So it never ends, Todd. Yeah, yeah. It's a never-ending thing. And, and that is the new normal, as you said.
0: Well, when you embrace that, then it just becomes part of your part of your new DNA. And I I, I love that that run through of those of uh, those of uh, those steps there. And I so agree with you on the vulnerability. I, I think too many executives think, well, if I appear vulnerable, then that's going to make me weak. When in fact, I think it does the exact opposite. When you acknowledge. I have a weakness here and I want to use my team and empower my team to to solve and fill in that gap, I think it makes you stronger. I think it makes you more relatable. It bonds you closer to your team. I just think it's a a real positive. So, Well, I'm paralyzed here, John, because I have 30 different directions I want to take our conversation (laughs) Uh, and uh, me thinks we're going to have to have you back on the show to keep talking. Uh, We're about out of time. I want to close with one final question and if you've been paying close attention to the conversation today, you already know the answer to this. But let me just ask you, John, uh, to, to tie this up nicely. If, when an organization is ready to go through and initiate a process uh, that will result in transformational change, what, is, what are the first one or two key steps, the foundational steps to get that process successfully started?
2: Well, here's the thing, and it's a great question. Companies cannot transform successfully unless they measure their culture. And that is the biggest gap that I see, Todd. Again, only 15% of global companies are actually measuring the strength and vibrancy of their culture. Yet they're trying to institute. Changes, right? They're going to drive the organization to be more innovative, more effective, more customer service oriented, when in reality they have no idea about the levers that can support them in that effort. So I think the first thing is for the senior executive team to come together and make a commitment to measure the strength and vibrancy of the culture. If the culture is strong and vibrant, much higher probability that the transformation effort is going to be successful. I think the second thing is very important is the senior executive team individually must be willing to embrace. And again, we use that word that you used before, Todd. I love that word embrace and, and, and under, is really individually go through a process where are they truly vulnerable? Are they truly the best that they can be as leaders? Because if there's gaps individually, in various members of that senior level team, it's going gonna, it's gonna to roll down to the culture. So a lot of my efforts when I work with companies starts right at the C-suite, working with the CEO and the senior executive team, doing individual executive coaching to make, their, make sure they're as strong and vibrant leaders as they can. That's what I would recommend. Great stuff.
0: All right. John, sadly, we are out of time. Uh, Like I said, I think we'll have to have you back. Lots more to discuss on this important subject. But for now, before I let you go, how can people contact you should they have questions? Where can they learn about your work? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of Cultural
2: Transformations? Todd, amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, Email is john, very simple, john, J-O-H-N, at johnmatone.com. The website is johnmatone.com. I got all kinds of information out there on uh, the work that I do, all kinds of information on the book. And Todd, if people can go right to Amazon right now and order that book, they can also hit my website, hit the book called Cultural Transformations. They can download an excerpt, get a feel for the book, and then they can order directly from there as well.
0: Outstanding. John Matone, the leadership authority, executive coach, speaker, and the co-author of the new book, Cultural Transformations, Lessons of Leadership and Corporate Reinvention. John, a real pleasure to have you. Thanks for stopping by. My pleasure, Todd.
2: Thank you so much.
0: And good luck with the launch of the book. All right, my friends, that's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, John Matone, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business.